The following program is intended for mature audiences. Welcome to the podcast. This is Rudy's Revelation. Sunday, September 26, 2021. This week I'll be talking about the terms supranational and transnational and how it's essential to individual liberty to maintain a free state. Also, be talking back to the Sunday Talking Heads on CBS Face the Nation, where Maggie Brennan grills South Carolina Senator Tim Scott on police reform and the federal budget nightmares. And also, Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison talks about the ASIC submarine deal, which is a covert technology transfer to China, and the fact that his country has descended into authoritarianism. Also be checking out the Sunday Morning Propaganda at our favorite feel-good feature news program, CBS Sunday Morning, where correspondent Serena Ashtool visits Automania, an exhibition at New York's Museum of Modern Art that portrays the gasoline-powered automobile as a filthy car, a destructive driver of climate change which needs to be dispensed of. Also be tearing into the Sunday New York Times, showing how the newspaper continually mischaracterizes the facts to mislead the public. And of course, I'll be going over the weekend headlines all in the next 30 minutes. But first, I'll be taking you back to school, giving you some historical context to frame this week's news narratives. Word of the day is supranational. Definition of supranational, transcending national boundaries, authority, or interests. Now, everybody's heard of the term transnational, transnational, between or beyond national boundaries involving several nations or nationalities. From Science Direct, transnational corporations in developing countries, the abstract, Transnational corporations, TNCs, are engines of economic growth in developing countries. The TNCs are the primary drivers of foreign direct investment inflow to developing countries. TNCs are job creators, and TNCs create spillover effects in developing countries through the procurement of domestic goods and services. Transnational corporations, TNCs, is any enterprise that undertakes foreign direct investment, owns or controls income-gathering assets in more than one country, produces goods and services outside its country of origin, or engages in international production. Various termed multinational corporations, MNCs, or multinational enterprises, transnational corporations, or formal business organizations that have spatially dispersed operations in at least two countries. One of the most transnational major TNCs is Nestle, 
the Swiss food giant, 91% of its total assets, 98% of its sales, and 97% of its workforce are foreign-based. Now, everybody knows what a transnational corporation is, but what people don't understand exactly, what is a supranational organization? Now, this is from the Oxford Handbook of International Organizations, the legitimacy of supranational organizations, taking the European Union as the leading exemplar of the type, an SNO can exercise a whole range of rulemaking, adjudication, and enforcement powers with a comparatively high degree of independence from intergovernmental or national control. And that's the key there, national control. The scope of authority delegated to the supranational level. The Eurozone crisis has demonstrated Europe still depends on strongly legitimate institutions of outright government on the national level. Institutions of supranational governance exercising delegated power in a delegated administrative sense are simply not yet equal to the task. The differences between international and supranational organizations. What are the differences? This is from spacelegalissues.com from July 17th, 2019. What are the differences between the international and supranational organizations? A supranational organization is an administrative structure that goes beyond the boundaries of states. That is the nation state or a country for you people out there that use that vernacular. It differs from international organizations in the fact that within it, decisions are made by institutions specific to the organizations and not by meeting of heads of state or their representatives. A supranational organization is a new entity encompassing several states, supra, and not a space of cooperation between states, inter. It also has legislative powers, which is not the case of an international organization. Concerning the difference between international and supranational organizations, a supranational organization allows member states to have great power and influence beyond their respective national boundaries. Examples are the EU and UNICEF. While the focus of most supranational organizations is to ease trade, the entity may also have political implications or requirements. Supranational organizations may help design activities that promote international standards that may Intergovernment organizations differ in the function of membership. They have various goals and scopes, often outlined in treaty or charter. Some international organizations develop to fulfill a need for a neutral forum or debate of negotiations to resolve disputes because you have competing, when you have intergovernmental organizations or international organizations, they have to negotiate disputes between the parties. But when you have something that's supranational, in the hierarchy, it's over the nation state. Supranational aspects of international organizations. This is from Wikipedia. Many international organizations also have supranational aspects, meaning that decisions can be made by the organization as a whole that are binding on member states that disagree or member entities. It could be, it could be a nation state or it could be a corporation. From the definition, political unification revisited on building supranational communities offers the definition of supranationality that is used in this entry. Supranationality can be thought of as a composite of several elements. These elements can be present alone or all together. The three elements of supranationality are defined as follows. Making of significant decisions by a body that is not made of national representatives and that does not receive instructions from national governments. Two, 
The subjects or participants, national governments or individuals, are legally obligated to comply with decisions of the body. And number three, individuals or other private parties may interact directly with the body and or have legal obligations as stated above. Corporations and globalism, the global corporate state is a supranational body that they're trying to construct, that's what globalism is, that rules over nation states. Wake up! Wake up! So um, we are going to get into the reading recommendations, but first I just wanted to show this pamphlet here and the procedural status of individual before international and supranational tribunals. Less than 3% of you people read books! Into the reading recommendations, a European integration and supranational governance. Next up, we have supranational political economy, the globalization of the state, market relationship, and this is a book by Guido Montani, with the ending of the Cold War and the rise of nationalistic America first strategy, the post-war liberal international order based upon the hegemonic power of the USA is fading away in its place, a multipolar world is emerging, which, while offering some hope to a better future, is also open to disorder and instability. The book offers an insight into the relationship between the politics and the economic economics in this new era. As an alternative, the volume argues for a form of global governance that will offer a better balance between politics and economics based on a supranational approach. A supranational approach in which world powers and a UN member states can work in agreement would follow the principle of which European political and economic integration was built, the EU, supranational. The system put forward here is based on a Keynesian, that means borrowing with no regards to debt, world clearing union and a reform of the World Trade Organization's United Nations budget which would just mean keep borrowing. The book demonstrates the globalizations and today's ecological challenges that are both a cause of social discontent and opportunity. Supranational institutions can greatly increase our ability to address global risk, blah, 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 bullshit. Uh, next one up, Austerity at a Graveyard, Targeting Drivers of Supranational Global Governance. And the last one up is Supranational Citizenship, Europe and Change by Lynn Dobson, conceptualizing a kind of citizenship that not be of a nation-state, but might be of a variety of political frameworks, bringing together political theory with debates about European integration and international relations and the changing nature of citizenship. This book offers a coherent and innovative theory of citizenship independent of any specific form of political organization relates to the conception of citizenship to topical issues of the European Union, democracy and legitimate authority, non-national political community and the nature of the supranational constitution. Isn't that nice? Global citizenship. <laughs> Getting into the uh, week in headlines. This is from the Daily Wire, which I usually don't go to in this piece by Tim Pierce. New York BLM leader promises national uprising over racist vaccine mandates. Well, even the misguided sometimes come around to the truth. This is from The Guardian. Is China stepping up its ambition to supplant U.S. as top superpower? In this analysis, Joe Biden has cleared the decks to focus on China, but how imminent is the danger? And this is an article by Patrick Wintour, and it goes into how... Uh, Biden is giving up the farm here. 
Yet the concern now is how quickly the rivalry could escalate, especially in Taiwan, the linchpin of the U.S. alliance system in Southeast Asia. Taiwan is the biggest island in the first island chain, the group of islands that keeps China blocked in. It is China's next target, and the former Prime Minister Theresa May pointed out, no one quite knows if the West is prepared to fight to save Taiwan or whether the new uh, tri-patrite pact in some way places a new obligation on the UK to come to the country's defense. They won't. Uh, the powers that be built China, and uh, China is kind of going through a double cross right now, um, but uh, we're giving the farm away to China. One thing you have to point out, there's this new nuclear submarine deal with Australia is actually a technological transfer to China, right? So from F SF Gate in San Francisco, conspiracy theories royal Kennedy family as possible release of Sirhan Sirhan mirrors. This guy who killed a, a presidential candidate is going to be released. Also, most people don't know, Sirhan Sirhan was under mind control. And and it's very possible that he didn't even fire the, the kill shot. Um, there are a lot of theories going around, but if you look at all the evidence, it's apparent that he was just a lunatic and, and the real killer is probably, you know, still out there. Who knows? From the Washington Post, when you ask app not to track, some iPhone apps keep snooping anyway. That's not a surprise. From AP News... COVID-19 vaccine boosters could mean billions for drug makers. This article from Tom Murphy on the 25th. Billions more in profits are at stake for some vaccine makers as the U.S. moves towards dispensing COVID-19 booster shots to shore up Americans' protection against the virus. How much the manufacturers stand to gain depends on how big the rollout proves to be. Case closed. Thank you, uh, Ms. Walensky, for you know, pushing against the recommendations of science uh, to go ahead and distribute this booster. Israel says U.S. booster plan supports its own aggressive push, again from the AP. From the Washington Examiner, top Republican torches LinkedIn for censoring Americans at the request of China. So uh, LinkedIn is Microsoft, and uh, Chinese are pressuring um, to censor posts uh, on LinkedIn. It's a, like a social media site for business professionals from the hill the fbi investigating alleged assault on fort bliss soldier at afghan refugee camp so apparently there was a female soldier who was alone and the refugees uh like in you know a lot of muslim culture if there is an unescorted woman it's okay to rape her and so they tried to gang rape this female soldier no surprise and you're going to you know, have these people out in your community, you know, if your little 15-year-old girl goes walking down the street unaccompanied, you know, I have nothing against other people's culture, just you can't bring it here because that's illegal. From the Hill, again, 14 Mexican soldiers briefly detained in El Paso. This is how bad the border is getting. The, the Mexican military sent soldiers not sneaking across the desert, but in military vehicles, drove right into the United States. Too funny. From the Washington Post, when the FBI seizes your messages from big tech, you may not know it for years. Exactly. Uh, like Edward Snowden said, it's full surveillance, and they're building a dossier. So everything you do online is kept under your name. I don't understand how this is allowed to happen. From Reuters, Dutch protest again against COVID-19 vaccine pass to enter bars and restaurants. 
So hundreds of protesters marched against the introduction of Corona Pass in the Netherlands on Saturday as proof of COVID-19 vaccinations become became compulsory to get into bars, restaurants, theaters, and other venues. Prime Minister Mark Root sacked a cabinet minister who had publicly questioned the measure. Um, yeah, this is a worldwide thing. And so since most countries are already controlled by corporations and their influence, this is the big push to get everybody in line. It's called lockstep. Get everybody in lockstep. From... Um, Yahoo News, kidnapping, assassination, and a London shootout inside the CIA secret war plans against WikiLeaks. So this just details um, the war against Julian Assange and WikiLeaks that played out uh, under the direct direction of the CIA. Um, and now he's in a deep, dark hole, and he's never going to come out. It's like if they get you in custody, you know, you might never come out. So their war on the truth, and um, because what does the truth do? The the truth puts up opposition to this worldwide corporate takeover. I'm going to turn to the New York Times. Among those who marched into the Capitol on January 6th, and one FBI informant, the New York Times writes, a member of the far-right Proud Boys texted his FBI handler during the assault but maintained that the group had no plan to advance to enter the Capitol and disrupt the election certification. All right, this is an article This is an article from the 25th by Alan Fuhrer and Adam Goldman. As scores of Proud Boys made their way chanting and shouting toward the Capitol on January 6th, one member of the far-right group was busy texting a real-time account of the march. And they keep using far right without identifying what they mean by that. You're an extreme individualist. The recipient was an FBI handler in the middle of the unfolding melee that shook a pillar of American democracy, a peaceful transfer of power. The Bureau had an informant in the crowd. Um, So this is a whitewash of the whole report that the FBI had more than one person in the crowd. A matter of fact, the intelligence assets and agents were plentiful, especially in the breach of the Capitol and uh, egging on others to follow them in in the breach of the Capitol. It was a setup. Next article up, as she bought her dream home, then a sovereign citizen changed the locks. A New Jersey woman was preyed upon by a fast-growing extremist group that claims its members are sovereign moors, not bound by U.S. laws. Um... I just I just want to say here that this is a setup. This is a, a false flag journalism, uh, as they do with a lot of other things. Uh, they demonize they're demonizing quote unquote sovereign citizens, and that it's this uh, right wing extremist group. And so apparently the story is is that this woman, a black woman, bought a house, and um, then some guy took it over, claimed he was a sovereign citizen. And it's just to demonize extreme individualism. So I'm not going to go into this story because it's all by Sarah Maslin Nur. Um, that's that's the whole gist of the story. Um, you don't need to look sovereign citizen. You as a U.S. citizen because of your individual liberty, you maintain some sovereignty. Sovereignty, free to reign. You're free to reign over your own life. That's what sovereignty is. That's what, you know, one nation state is free to reign 
It's sovereign. It just means um, you enjoy the powers that the freedoms that the queen or the sovereign once had. You maintain freedom. Next article, seven podcasts for parents who need a break. These shows will provide a sense of community and useful tips on just about any parenting scenario. But the one I wanted to focus on here was motherhood in black and white. In the summer of 2020, a few months after the murder of George Floyd ignited a racial reckoning, there was this um, this podcast, Anti-Racism and How the Two Intersect with Parenting, Parenting and Anti-Racism. Both Gen X mothers living and working in Dallas, they also, had be- they also were best friends. The subject matter of their conversation runs the gamut. So basically, this is how to teach your kids about race following the letters of the certain racist orthodoxy that the left is now pushing. That if you're white, you're privileged just because of the color of your skin, and if you're black, you're oppressed. Don't forget, we live in a country that each individual maintains the rights guaranteed in the Constitution under liberty. All black and white, man, woman, it's all been argued out already. You have individual liberties. No one has more liberties than the other. You all have the freedom that the law provides. And so we leave you, of course, at the back of the New York Times, a Sunday review, which is the op-ed pieces they pick for the week, from the week. And I hate to cover Jamel Bowie because he's a racist, but Trump had a mob. He also had a plan. This is from the 24th. As a full picture of January 6th becomes into view, which most of us already knew, we looked at all the footage, we saw what happened, and now with the recent release of even more footage, we see that it wasn't what they claim it was. I think we should consider a kind of revolution, or at least a very beginning of one. Joe Biden ultimately became president through fraud. But Donald Trump's fight to keep himself in office against the will of the voters has upturned the political order. It's not racist. People want liberty. They want their freedom. And they don't want the friggin' government to spend $10 trillion in one year. Okay, we're going to leave you with the talking heads. Uh, first up is uh, Tim Scott with Maggie Brennan. Just gives him a hard time. But he lays out the conservative platform. Let's hear all the way from police reform to the budget. Let's hear Tim Scott. At times it looked like they were whipping. Rounded up by men on horseback. They're going to put you all back in chains. This country was supposed to be at a moment of reckoning. Big blue cities where they have failed to pass policies that protect their most vulnerable communities. I am not going to participate in reducing funding for the police after we saw major city after major city Mm -hmm. defund the police. When you reduce funding for police, you actually lose lives in the communities. We want the best wearing the badge and we want the vulnerable protected. When they wanted to nationalize local policing, I said, that's a bad idea. When they say that every single traffic stop in this country must be reported to the federal government, what? whether it's a what? traffic ticket or stopping someone on, on, the, on the streets of New York or Charleston, every single time that you have any interaction for the federal government to be in charge of all that information. The market's going to be fair to the American people because the whole story is going to allow me to have a conversation about the issue that I've been working on for the last two years. You said, let me finish. 
I understand this issue better than most people. And I will tell you this, that if you want to keep our community safe, you have to properly fund the police. Eight different areas of the legislation that reduces funding, mm -hmm. that's a different conversation. Now you're talking about defunding the police. You may not like that as a statement, but it's actually what you can read in the language of the bill. Are you <laughs> saying Senator Booker can't read? I'm only saying that if you read the legislation, it's pretty simple. This is not something that I'm making up. You and your fellow Senate Republicans are expected to block this attempt by Democrats to both fund the government and increase uh, the debt ceiling, which you know allows the Treasury to essentially continue to to borrow money. They're going to spend $1.9 trillion early this year, followed by $1.2 trillion on infrastructure, followed by $3.5 trillion of spending on reconciliation, followed by a $4 trillion budget, or said differently, mm -hmm. $10.5 trillion of spending. If you're going to spend that level of money, historically high levels, then you have to be responsible for the debt. That's not funny! I am not going to be complicit to their reckless, irresponsible spending. You ain't black. This time, in a partisan exercise, only Democrats are spending up to $10.5 trillion irresponsibly, recklessly. This is a $1.2 trillion that's spent on infrastructure, creating about $300 billion of additional debt. On top of that, you had another $3.5 trillion that changes America permanently. Fuck you! When you spend $10.5 trillion in a partisan-only exercise, you should be responsible for what you're doing to the American people and not for the American people. They're going to put you all back in chains. I mean, it well, looks we're not actually paying for political. things that we're already doing. They're actually introducing new programs that they want the American people to digest and then pay for with extraordinarily high taxes. So this is not about what we've done in the past. This is about what they want to do in the future. President Biden and his administration owns the crisis that they've created at the border, the humanitarian crisis that's unfolding. Rounded up by men on horseback. It is the responsibility of the president to secure our borders. President Biden has not done so. The crisis of his own making looks very similar to the one that he made in Afghanistan, the one we're experiencing right now with taxing, the one we're experiencing with spending. So, yes, this president should do a much better job of avoiding crises that are avoidable. At times, it looked like they were whipping some of these Haitian migrants who were running, rounded up by men on horseback. An actual fact-driven conversation about what happened in that situation. And I hope that whomever needs to be held responsible is held responsible. The ultimate person responsible for the crisis at the border is President Joe Biden. At times, it looked like they were whipping. Yeah, they were whipping. I don't think so, Maggie. I don't think so. You see that she was pushing, she <laughs> kept pushing that thing. All right, next up is uh, Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison, who tries to defend his draconian lockdown in that state. But more importantly, um, they won a nuclear submarine deal with, they you know, turned their back on France and got the submarine deal with Biden, and uh, which it's going to turn out to be a, a technology transfer to China because Australia is already subverted by the communists in China and this is going to be a bad deal uh, for us in the United States moving forward. So let's listen. 
The U.S. and China appear headed towards confrontation. To push back against China's military buildup in the Pacific, President Biden brokered a new defense partnership with Australia and will sell its stealth nuclear-powered submarines and will sell its stealth nuclear-powered submarine and will sell its stealth nuclear-powered submarine. What? Do you think less liberty is medically necessary? We have a huge argument over that in this country. Why did you think it was worth it in Australia? Well, I thought, look, we're different societies. Lockdowns in our two biggest cities in Sydney, Sydney and Melbourne now for, for many months. And we're looking forward to the end of that and those restrictions are already starting to ease and the vaccination program which has been running successfully. Mm. Um, our rates of vaccination on a daily basis per capita have even exceeded those that were achieved in the United States and the United Kingdom at their peak. You have to be vaccinated. And uh, so that is getting us to a place uh, where we'll be able to open again. Do you think less liberty is medically necessary? We have a huge argument over that in this country. Because we won't give up our liberty for security. Because if you give up your liberty for security, you end up with neither. And last up, we're going to leave you with a propaganda piece about how uh, they're pushing to get rid of the gasoline-powered motor vehicle um, because of its effect on climate change. So, But it in particularly affects your liberty of movement. There is nothing more freeing than the gasoline-powered motor vehicle because it gives you the freedom to move, uh, providing the state will let you do so. So it's all centered around this MoMA exhibit, so let's take a gander. It's a museum show featuring art on four wheels. This year, the meaning of arriving in style rose to new heights as these cars parked in a new exhibit at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. The exhibit features nine vehicles. The show features cars as art and also art inspired by cars. This show is called Automania after an Oscar-nominated film from 1963 that questions our dependence on cars. You actually see these cars piling, piling, piling up, and you really are like, does our entire life have to be organized around this one thing? What? The Ford Model T and assembly lines brought cars to the masses and served as an engine for post-war economic growth. But those weren't the only changes fueled by cars. It is fundamental to virtually everything that we do in modern society and, and, and how we operate within it. But then at the same time, we also know that they're polluting our cities and contributing to the loss of habitats and changing the whole way that we live in the world. Today, there are an estimated one and a half billion cars around the world. It's a statistic driving debates over electric cars and infrastructure. And one that's led us to ponder what's around the bend on this century-old joyride with cars. Polluting our cities and contributing to the loss of habitats and changing the whole way that we live in the world. <laughs> what? Yeah, I happen to be a proponent for gasoline-powered automobiles. Automobile. The freedom for you to go anywhere you want, 
without reliance on electricity. I'm not a proponent for pollution, though, but I think everybody should have the right to have a car. All right, that's it for me. I'll see you next week. Rudy's Revelation. Check me out, Facebook, Twitter, Minds. I'm back on Parlor.